A starving child is a frightful sight. A starving vampire, even worse. Anne Rice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm Kintad Svensgaard, and as always with me, we know him, we love him. Please say hello, hello to AJ Mass. Hello, hello to you, Kintad. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, AJ. I'm having uh, quite a week, and uh, I'm so ready to delve into yet another episode of the criminal minds. One might say you're hungry for criminal minds. Oh, yes, indeed. Just to let you folks out there know, this is a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. Uh, AJ and I recap the show, take an in-depth look at each episode each week. Uh, I have never seen this show before, so I'm coming at it from a first watch type perspective. And uh, AJ is coming at it from the perspective of a, a longtime fan of the series. Fair, fair, very fair. This week, we are recapping season one, episode 11 of Criminal Minds. Uh, the episode is entitled Blood Hungry, and it originally aired on December 14th, 2005, just in time for the holiday season. Uh, it was written by Ed Napier. And uh, directed once again by Officer Aranko himself, Charles Hade, who uh, previously directed Episode 2, Compulsion, our super fun University Firebomber episode. Let's get into the recap. So, AJ, cue up your old Arrested Development CD. This week, I'm going to take you to another place. I'm going to take you to another land. But we aren't going to be playing horseshoes, I said. Horseshoes. We start off, uh, yes, in Tennessee, Harringtonville, Tennessee, Tennessee. Thank you. We open on a shot of a charming looking house in some kind of rural area. We zoom into the house. We hear some piano music playing. We see a young boy singing in what the caption tells us is in an angelic voice. I agree, but. There's no need for the caption to like tell me what kind of what like let me figure that out for myself. But anyway, that's it was it was probably. a lovely lovely voice by the the young lad who I know will learn his name later is Wally, but I just called him Young Eli Manning in my notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, good call. There's a uh, lady with him who's playing the piano, and as the boy finishes the hymn he was singing, she turns around and tells him, "Wally, that was just amazing." And uh, she yells out to Charlie, did you hear that? Then we get that old criminal mind, something is bad, something bad is going on music. Uh, <laughs> and Charlie yells from upstairs that, yes, mommy heard it. We see the funky point of view camera so that we know evil is lurking outside of the house. I feel like we've seen this before. This time it's kind of choppy and quick shot like with the with the bad music playing. But we know something is not uh, good outside the house. The uh, piano playing woman, she asks Charlie to walk Wally home. He reluctantly agrees. They leave. 
We see the lady smiling out of the door as they walk off. But again, the music chops in to let us know something bad is going to happen. She goes back to her piano and starts playing. And we cut outside and now see a hooded figure walking toward the house. Scary music and funky flash cutting. as And finally, the lady <laughs> sees our uh, unsub's reflection and screams before she is bashed in the head. Uh, you see her head sickeningly fall on the piano keys and uh, blood dripping from her head onto the sheet music. Yeah, I, I didn't want to laugh at this, but that plunk on the keyboard was just cartoonishly <laughs> done. It was just like, oh, she's playing this plunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, don't mean to laugh. It's violence, but hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, I agree. We see a shot again of the outside of the house. And this time, the, the house, it, we zoom out from that and then we're inside of the BAU office. So it's a sort of a reverse on how they usually do the picture yeah, trick. It's our but first it's, reverse Kodak. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's still the picture trick, but just in reverse. They boosted the record and they flipped it. They flipped it. They reversed it. <laughs> it's your first jumper, snap, snap. You know, if Missy was on this team instead of L, I might enjoy this show. <laughs> Missy L Greenaway? <laughs> Even more. The misdemeanor. Sorry, tangent, folks. Tangent. So anyway, you pull out. We're at the BAU, and then Hotch is there. We see Hotch, and he's going to yes. tell, tell tell the team what's going on. JJ's got all the four one one for us. Yes, she does. She grabs the clicker and gives the team the intro. Again, Harringtonville, Tennessee, population five thousand. They haven't had a homicide in sixty four years, but now they've had two in the past forty eight hours. It's a hot streak. Yes, the first victim was 57-year-old Paul Thompson, ambushed in his yard, 18 stab wounds to his chest and back, no forced entry into the house, and uh, the only item that was taken from his house was a shotgun, and don't really expect to hear much more about Paul Thompson in this this episode. Well, we'll hear we'll hear a little bit about him, but yeah, not not too much. He, he's got nothing to say himself, no. And then apparently last night, our our victim from the opening scene was thirty nine year old Annie Stewart. She was also ambushed in her home uh, and bludgeoned to death with the stolen shotgun. This time it appears that the unsub stole CDs, DVDs, and a, a little bit of jewelry. Annie's throat was eviscerated, which didn't happen with the first victim. So we once again get the different weapons, different MOs. Elle asks, well, is it possibly two different killers? <laughs> she loves asking that question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gideon, by the way, who just walked in using crutches, says, or it's one very psychotic individual. Hutch asks Gideon what the heck has happened to him. And Gideon says, well, he has a list of things to try before it's too late. L says, an orthopedic surgery is one of them. That, that made me boots. laugh. <laughs> good line. For, good, good comedy bit for L. Gideon says, no, skydiving. Apparently it's all about the landing. And he did not stick it. <laughs> and uh, everybody else is kind of chuckling at that. But Hotch is all business. He's not even thinking about the joke. He's like, how long are you going to be on those crutches, buddy? Gideon says a couple of days. So that basically means he can't 
tag along on the case. He can't go into the field. He has to stay at the office. That's right. You cannot have an FBI agent from the BAU, especially as physical as this group is, going out there on crutches. And I want you to stick a pin in that right now because you cannot have a BAU agent going out in the field on crutches. Cannot happen. That is now pinned. Ding! Gideon says, no worries. I'll find a way to be helpful here. He starts going through the pictures as is his want and saying things like, let's attack, throws down a picture. No effort to remove the body or clean up evidence, throws down a picture. And then we do hear an explanation from Hotch about organized killers versus psychotic killers. I feel like we've sort of covered this territory before, but... We have, although I had I had to laugh because, you know, this is the year when the cicadas are coming back. And at first I thought he said cicada killers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, grasshopper murder. Oh, no, wait. It's, it, it, he said psychotic. I'm sorry. Hotch, enunciate, please. Uh, <laughs> so basically until they can understand the delusion here. And boy, that would have been nice if it was a cricket delusion. But uh, until they can understand the delusion, they can't really predict this guy's next move. Reed also happens to be going through the pictures, thinks he might have found a clue. He says it's these rings. We see by the picture, he means they're like rings of blood, not jewelry. They're like rings on the on the floor of the crime scene. Yes, yes. Because that would have been the worst, the worst burglar ever if he had left the rings sitting right there right. and the gold and diamonds and whatnot. So these, these circles might represent some kind of signature. Gideon says he'll work on that angle, see if there's any meaning meaning he can get from the patterns. Hotch says psychotic killers are normally not that hard to catch because they don't try that hard to hide. JJ wonders if that makes their job easier. Actually, JJ wonders if that makes your job easier is what she said, which I thought was very odd. It's like, you're part of the team, JJ. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. She doesn't feel like it yet. Clearly not. She says, does that make your job easier? Gideon says no, because until they do locate this guy, he'll keep doing that. And he throws down a gruesome crime scene photo. Yeah. And we go to credits. Yeah, now before, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds. I have to do that, because you said credit, so I have to do that. But I have a question for you here. So why do you think... I have a theory, but why do you think Gideon is on crutches? Because there's no reason, story-wise. Um, and I tried to do some research on this. I know I don't like you doing research because you could get spoiled on stuff. Nothing indicates that Mandy Patankin actually broke his own ankle or anything like that in the process of this. Uh, I think my, my best guess is that he was shooting something else and the schedule's kind of just got a little confused so he needed some time off to shoot this other movie because the next year a film called choking man was released it was an indie hit and and uh-huh. he was uh he didn't have a big part in it but he, he was featured in it and so he maybe just needed a couple days of shooting and another person with a very small part in this film was aaron paul so maybe the two of them went from filming the the, the popular kids went and shot this movie and then he came back, but he needed a few days in the middle. So because I think a lot of this episode was rewritten to take Gideon out of it. Okay. That's a lot of a lot of work <laughs> to, to to think of that. I I just assumed well, I, I don't know. I don't I didn't really buy the skydiving joke. No, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and, and I, I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll discuss it in a few scenes, but uh it's definitely 
or, or you know, pretty much the next scene. We'll discuss it a little more. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what happens? Because I, I, I've got my theories in the very next scene, which tipped me off to this idea that it's, it's a massive okay. rewrite. I'm looking forward to this. So uh, after the credits, we're back at the house from the first scene. Of course, now it's a crime scene with the tape and all that rigmarole. And our local sheriff is pulling up and a deputy comes over to his vehicle. He asks her if they're here. And the deputy says some of them. One of them went over to the Thompson house to get a feel for the neighborhood. I have my guess as to that one would be. And I I believe I was right. But anyway, uh, (laughs) cut inside to the house and Ella's walking down the stairs and she's saying all of the stolen items were taken from the upstairs bedroom. Why didn't he take the victim's purse or her cell phone or the jewelry off of her body? Well, the ring is lying on the floor. Oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah, wait a minute. Reed is saying that this guy didn't come any closer to the body than he had to, and the sheriff asks what he means. Elle says that there's a discrepancy in the profile, and Reed tells the sheriff that it's possible there were two people in the house. Someone rifled through the medicine cabinets looking for drugs, and uh, excessive meth use can cause psychotic, violent episodes. But Reed thinks that they're dealing with two different profiles, Basically, one of them is a killer who, yes, is indeed psychotic. And uh, the other guy is just a thief. He's the junkie. I'm the killer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The fact that he didn't take her jewelry suggests that he identified with her. He probably knew her. Elle says the CSU team found a soda can by the fence in the grass. And the sheriff says that's right. They figure the suspect or suspects were lying in wait there. L asks if they spoke to the kid that was having the singing lesson. Sheriff says, yeah, why? L says, well, I'm wondering why he didn't tell you he saw the suspect. Based on where Wally was standing and how the music stand was set up, she figures that he had a view straight out to where the suspect's we're supposedly yeah, and here's where my, my spidey says to start to go up because this is excellent detective work from Elle. I have to say, it's, it's great. You know, she's just all the same. Like, you know, you know, the eye line, she crouches down. See, he wouldn't, he would have seen, but I can't see. And she's doing this whole up and down thing. And she's staring out the window the whole time. That's what Gideon does. Gideon stares at stuff and just isn't paying attention to anything going on. And then comes up with these big re- revelations like, oh, down, up, down, up. Why didn't the kid find out these things? This was written for Gideon. And he's not there. And suddenly she gets this line because she's in a lot of scenes this episode. Elle's getting a lot of she work. Is. And she's taking the lead in things that she doesn't normally take the lead on. And I'm all for Elle improving as a, as, as a detective and as a member of the BAU and getting more prevalent and everything. She's doing Gideon's lines here. It's really weird. AJ, I think you're on to something. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't quite with you at first, but now with that, I, uh, yeah, maybe you're on to something. Because now, now, now it's like now it's like the L show. It's like now she's going to go talk to Wally, and she's going to start talking to Wally. And it seems like this is really a two person scene where her and Gideon would both be there. You know, Gideon the heart, and all the oh, right. But she's doing the whole thing, and she's flipping on a dime. And she's much too smart in this episode. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so now we cut again to Laurel. She's the one that. Morel, she's the one approaching Wally and his mom uh, is is out there. She's pushing him on a swing. She Elle introduces herself and Wally's mom doesn't really want to have him go through this, but she does allow Elle to question him. Elle says, Wally, I hear you may be the only person in town who saw the man who 
did this to your music teacher. His mom is like, uh, he didn't see a thing, but Elle has this magic touch with Wally. And uh, she just says, what did he look like? And Wally says, crazy. He was real tall, skinny. His lip was bleeding. And uh, when he saw him through the window, the man looked at him and did this shh motion, you know, where you put your finger to your lips. And-, and even though he saw him, he still threw the pass his way and he was picked off and back, run back for a touchdown. Oh, no, wait, that's Eli. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm shell-shocked. I'm a Giants fan. I saw this for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. Very fair. We cut back to uh, Reed and L walking into the sheriff's office with him and his deputy. L is saying the guy Wally's describing definitely sounds like a tweaker. The sheriff tells his deputy to pull all the pull out all the uh, meth arrests in the last six months. Reed and L point out that the suspect probably lives in close proximity to the victim. The sheriff lets Reed and L set up uh, at Simpson's desk. Whatever that means. <laughs> Simpson is out on vacation, so they can go sit at his desk to. You know, I sometimes I think sometimes I think they throw lines like this in here just so they can say, "Oh, Simpson's out on vacation." Ooh, maybe it's Simpson. You know, for just like a half a second, we can think of that, yes. even though we'll never hear about Simpson again. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back. To the BAU, and what a scene, AJ. <laughs> Gideon is talking to himself in a close-up shot, looking at the pictures. He says that he's working from the assumption that the rings are a signature, and so then the camera starts to pull out from the close-up, and we see that he's actually in Garcia's office. And she's just walking in, and she's like, uh, sir, could I, I could help you get these books back to your office. And he just continues with his thoughts, like, ignoring her, basically. And he says, uh, exploring their symbolic significance. He shakes his head and then says, I, I-, I have nothing. And Garcia's like, you know, if you were in your own office, <laughs> you'd have more room to spread out. Yeah, and we've already established Garcia doesn't like people in her office. She certainly doesn't like when Elle is like printing coffee cups all over the place and there's equipment in here. Don't bring your food and don't bring your drinks. And just and now, now he's spread out and he's put books on her desk and papers yeah. are over the pictures are all over the place and she is just having a silent meltdown <laughs> she is mad uncomfortable in this scene um and it's it's kind of a nice little insight to her character that there is someone who can fluster her a little bit you know uh she's not her usual unflappable self i i it's part i think it's partially the authority that gideon represents but i also just think it, it's because of who gideon is and his his attitude. Sure. And, and part of it is also that she is a, a master of, of, you know, of, of wit and, and being able to come back and composure. But most of it is when she's at the computer keyboard and through the screen or through the phone. She's not like that in person. She's a lot less uh, confident in herself when physically interacting, which is kind of the stereotype of hacker types. And she fits that a little bit. I mean, she's more than just your stereotypical hacker. But, you know, still, it's that uncomfortableness in yeah. in uh, face-to-face. And it's, it's, it's even more uncomfortable when the face-to-facer isn't facing you. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like... As soon as you talk, he starts talking over you. He's, he's, it's just, uh, anyway. It's too hot in here. It's too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too hot. I, it's, it's, I'm just very hot in here. Why is it so hot in here? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's demanding things of her. He he hands her some pictures and, and starts to tell her to clear her desk off, telling her to get some stuff that's there out of the way. And uh, 
where the blueprints she's like on the screen he i don't want him on the screen i want the hard copies yeah like i say he starts complaining about the heat and does she have the autopsy reports and can i have another cup of coffee (laughs) (laughs) garcia she's clearly frustrated she's just like i'll get the coffee gideon says thank you she's already out of the room but you can hear hear her say you're welcome (laughs) Yep, it's all good. Nice little scene. Uh, she can't wait to get out of there. No, it's, it's good. It's good character stuff between them. Again, probably all rewritten at the last minute so we can squeeze this scene in and give Gideon something to do and Garcia someone to play off of. But I think you know when you get lemons, you make lemonade, and it just the relationship the two of them don't have, but we see what it is. I think is very entertaining throughout this episode. It's probably the only thing in this episode that that I enjoy quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Morgan and Hotch coming into the sheriff's office and they ask Reed and Elle if they found anything. Uh, Reed says Elle did find an eyewitness, a little boy who saw someone in the driveway. That's more than Morgan and Hotch could find at the Thompson place. The deputy walks up and she says they have two suspects, Judd Franklin and Domino Thacker. Uh, The sheriff walks in saying, I know Domino, he's bad news. He's a serious tweaker who cooks his own stuff. As soon as he says this, I'm I'm suspecting it's the other guy, Judd. Maybe I'm <laughs> wrong. But just as soon as we start going in on one, all in on somebody. You, you, you bought into the Scooby-Doo at all. But no, they need, yep. they need to find Domino. It, it yeah. makes sense. His name is, you don't invent a name Domino Thacker for a character and not follow up with him. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> Judd Franklin is a good name, too, for someone who could be. But it's, Domino. It is, but which of those two do you want to follow? If you're playing Choose Your Own Adventure, turn to page 23 for Judd. <laughs> turn to page 47 for Domino Thacker. I'm going to Domino's page. Yeah, I'm going to 47. You're right. Anyway, Elle asks if Domino lives near the crime scene, so she's on top of it. And uh, the sheriff says, yeah, he lives almost directly in between them. The guy has been hospitalized for overdoses before. He's attempted suicide. He's got a long list of priors. Hotch says, what do you think? Elle says, I think we need to find Domino. And why would he ask Elle? What, what, this is a line for Gideon. Gideon, <laughs> what do you think? I think we need to find the Domino. He would ask Elle. He's Hotch. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, yes. And the FBI, I think, really does a great job here because in 30 minutes or less, they're at Domino's. <laughs> oh, good job. <joke. laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, we cut to them pulling back outside of some ranshackle house and there's domino he's clad only in some boots and a pair of tidy whities <laughs> and he's out in the backyard i guess he's heard them approach or something and and came out but or uh, maybe not yeah he I mean, might have just been out Domino's there just dominoing <laughs> yeah they draw their guns morgan's like domino thacker fbi halt you know they do all of that stuff and uh domino tries to hop his fence and start to run but uh morgan cuts him off at the pass basically uh and opens a, a gated fence into his face to basically knock him down and i feel there was a missed opportunity here because really shouldn't if morgan knocked domino down shouldn't domino have knocked down the next guy who knocks down the next guy who knocks down the next guy the domino jokes won't stop <laughs> Domino is like, I didn't do anything. You can't arrest me. And Morgan arrests him. (laughs) Gee, Domino was wrong. Go figure. (laughs) We cut to a cell at the sheriff's office. 
And uh, Domino is wrapped in a blanket, shivering, complaining he's freezing cold, and Hotch is questioning him. They want to know what he was doing at Annie Stewart's house. At first, he's like, I, I didn't do anything. I'm, I'm sick. I got the flu. And the sheriff says, uh, we know you were there, boy. I guess that frightens Domino or something. He admits to being in the driveway, says he was looking at the car, but he didn't steal it. Good, good Domino. He didn't steal the car. Uh, he was thinking about it, but then he left. He says that he's seen that kid. I guess maybe he thought the kid ID'd him or something, so he better say he saw the kid. Right, exactly. L lets him know that the blood that they found on the bottom of his boot was Annie Stewart's, and the boot tread from that same boot is found all over the crime scene inside the house. This isn't going to hold up too well for you in court, my tweaker friend. <laughs> He uh, finally admits he came back to the house and uh, says some dude was leaving the house. Some dude wearing a, a black hood. Morgan calls Domino over to the cell bars to talk to him because Morgan's still outside the cell. He's like, you didn't do this, man. You got to help us out here. You saw him leave. And then what? Then Domino says he went in and she's laying there and she was already dead, you know, butchered and cut up. And Morgan is like, and you robbed her. And he just starts screaming, it isn't right, it ain't right, I'm sorry, God forgive me, and sort of breaks down, basically. Yeah, but what's, it's it's great because, as, uh, you know, Morgan, they, they weren't good cop, bad cop in him, they were just more like uh, loud cop, less loud copping him. <laughs> but it worked. Yes. Uh, Hodge is talking to the sheriff, he says he didn't do it, this guy's too freaked out, anyone delusional enough to do what was done to Annie Stewart wouldn't have been able to recount stuff in, in detail like that. And uh, so the sheriff says, okay, he's going to take Domino to detox and then just arrest him for the robbery. They tell uh, the sheriff to have the neighborhood canvassed again, see if anyone saw this guy in the sweated hood shirt, uh, the hooded sweatshirt. Red hooded sweatshirt. Black hooded. <laughs> dip, dip, dip. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, Jay. You know, it's 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 a very slow moving episode. I I feel you. It's, it, it's moving, but it's just it's glacially moving, and I think I just the pacing just doesn't work, and they don't know what's going on here. I think that's part of the problem here, and I blame it all on Gideon. But it gives us this next comic gold scene. <laughs> we cut back to Gideon again in Garcia's office, and he's eating from a. Big ass container of Chinese food. We we but we know Garcia is not gonna go for this. Uh, she walks in. He offers her some chicken broccoli. Garcia's like, uh, it's not that I don't want it. It's just and Garcia cuts her off. What's that? And he's it's the autopsy reports that she has. Uh, so Garcia lets him know Annie Stewart's body was missing her liver and her stomach. At which point Gideon picks up his food container, which has left a nice big juicy ring <laughs> on the blueprint uh, on the table. Uh, Garcia is appalled and she starts going off like, I know this may seem some like some little small dark hole, but it's my office and I like to keep it sort of cleanish. And then Gideon picks up the container again and starts pressing it down <laughs> onto the desk, onto the blueprint on the desk. And she immediately is like, why are you doing that again? <laughs> Gideon is, is totally in his head, though. He says he's 
He's taking the blood and organs from the bodies and putting them in cylindrical containers. It's anthropophagy. Garcia's like, uh, what now? You said what the who now? <laughs> uh, he says she doesn't want to know, but she says she's a big girl. She can take it. He says the literal Greek translation is man-eating. This guy is a, is a cannibal. We see after that just a real quick shot of a refrigerator. Yeah, the world's worst Tupperware party. <laughs> yeah. It's just filled with red and blood, the gick and gack and the gick and the snick and the flick and the flam and the bloody and the bloom and the blah. It's nasty. We see the mentioned cylindrical containers and we see a figure pulling out one of the containers. What a joy that scene was. <laughs> it, it was. The, the, the Gideon Garcia part was yeah. fun. <laughs> like, I can handle it. I could not handle it. I could not handle it. <laughs> yeah, all that was missing was the Ron Howard voiceover. She could not handle it. <laughs> we cut back to the sheriff. See, that's a different Arrested Development than the one you did earlier, see? Yeah. Ooh, good, yeah. yeah. That's very good, AJ. <laughs> I try. You're on point this week. You're more on point than I am. Cut back to the sheriff's office. It's time for the profile breakdown. So here we go. We're looking for a 20 to 30-year-old male. The unsub engages in anthropophagy. It's a psychotic conviction that he must drink human blood and possibly eat human flesh as well. Fun! And we're going to, while this is going on, we're going to have our typical video inserts that, the you know, profile, video inserts, blah, blah, blah. That's not worth talking about what, what it's just, you know, standard criminal minds, yada, yada, through the scene. And again, it still just annoys me that both Hotch and uh, I believe Morgan look directly at the, you know, what they're talking about. But it's not really there. So they're basically just looking at a wall while <laughs> doing the scene. It, I'll, I'll get past it. <laughs> it, it, it. It's the criminal noise thing, man. It's certainly certainly early in the series. It's, it's the thing. <laughs> uh, Reed brings up apparently some case involving a guy named Richard Trenton, who was known as the vampire killer, who drank his victim's blood because he believed that aliens had invaded his body, that were slowly drinking his blood. And Hotch says if he didn't get the blood he needed, he'd die. He's looking again back at the action shot of this killer. Just just bothers me. Anyway, this guy lives or used to live in this town. Uh, he knows the area. You guys have probably all seen him, maybe at the ballpark or riding his bike home from the grocery store. Uh, he could have been a neighbor, a friend, but something about his delusion is keeping him in town. Yeah, I think we should we should shorthand this for future episodes and yeah. just just call this the, the local spiel. <laughs> so many times we're gonna go, it could be someone from around here, someone you've seen, someone you know, something but a bam, but a bam, but a boom, but a bit. It's the local spiel. It's a little shorthand because oh my gosh, do they do this every week, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh we'll start doing that next next uh episode. I'm sure it'll come up again. Or soon. <laughs> How could it not, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they do their local spiel. They're going to start out at Annie Stewart's house, uh, spread out in quadrants, eliminate this guy's hiding spaces. The sheriff mentions that uh, Thompson is having the, the funeral today and a lot of his neighbors are going to be there. 
So, of course, we next cut to the funeral. And I know last week I asked you to tell me how many funerals we're going to have. This is not a funeral that I was talking about. Um, we're talking about a funeral in which someone we know dies or someone right. one of the characters knows. This this is still work. So, uh, although technically this is a funeral, I'm not counting stakeout funerals. I just want it to be clear. I didn't bring that question up last week because I knew there was a funeral coming up here. Uh, I don't tend to watch this one. When it comes up, I kind of skip. So, yeah. But so, so just just for the record, this is a stakeout funeral. Does not count in our funeral count. Gotcha. We uh, see the team there. Morgan is scanning the crowd. Uh, we do see that he sees uh, one lady, AJ, I'm sure you're familiar with as a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Lindsay, this actress is Lindsay Krauss, who uh, also known as Professor Walsh. Sure, she has a lot of initiative. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and and she's an Academy Award nominated actress here. So you know, when when she shows up, you know, she's not here just for the one shot of her in the veil. <laughs> right, but that for the moment, that's all we get. JJ comes up to Hotch and says, "We got the name of some additional unsub, possible unsubs." Pharrell Belvedere, he's he's happy. Uh, who at age 23 took so much LSD and, and freaked out in a Winn-Dixie. We have uh, Mark Ward, age 21, five counts of petty larceny and attempted suicide. He's now back with his parents. And our last one is Ole Maynard, 25, <laughs> institutionalized for manic depression, has violent mood swings. When he was 18, he got arrested for biting the heads off of chickens. Hotch says, like a circus geek? We also cut to a quick shot right after that, of Reed taking notes on the cars parked at the funeral. Yeah, he's doing his job. I'm just trying to remember, did it, did, did that ever come? No. Ever? no I mean, it, they pay a lot of attention to cars in this episode, so yeah, I, it, it, it's a, a hint of that, but no, I said this episode could be a lot tighter. You know. That was just like a random show. <laughs> yeah, you know, we didn't need to hear the kids sing as long as we heard him sing in the opening. And uh, we don't need a certain scene later on, but we'll get to it. <laughs> Where he sings again. It, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's tight and tight, tight and tight and tight and tight. Yeah. JJ is uh, talking to the sheriff and he's saying, sure, he knows Ole Maynard. He, he was just only the best defensive lineman in the high school uh that they ever had. Cut to Morgan and Elle talking to Lindsay Krause, who is actually, her character's name is Mary Mays. And she's saying that she saw Oli just the other day. He was with his brother, and she thinks it looked like they didn't want to be seen the way his brother took him out of the car and led him straight into the house. And that was uh, three days ago. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I know, again, you pay closer attention because of who the actress is. But if you didn't recognize her, you didn't know who she was. It's still just like, you know, I heard you just mention Oli Maynard. It just so happens I saw him the other day. How convenient. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We uh, cut to uh, basically a butcher shop. Uh, we We see meat being butchered. See the cleaver cutting into the meat, and uh, the sheriff walks in with uh, the BAU team, says, Jess, the butcher stops, and the sheriff asks him very nicely to put down the cleaver. (laughs) They are looking for his brother. Jess tries to convince them that his brother's still at the institution, but they don't buy it, and they hear a noise in the back. Uh, They go further back in to, like, a walk-in freezer 
typical, you, you know, see slabs of meat hanging from hooks. And they also see Oli there, and he's got a big old meat hook. And uh, so Morgan and L have their guns drawn. Oli is, is clearly confused, calling out for his brother. Morgan is like, Oli, let's think about it, man. I got a bullet that travels 1,500 feet a second. How fast do you think you can get to us with that thing? And it turns out Oli is like a, a savant of some sort. He's like, well, actually, we'll take yeah. 0.27. No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that had happened. If they could, Reed wasn't there to actually do the calculations for him. <laughs> it's uh, it's tense for like a second, and then they get Oli to put the gun down, uh, and then they're questioning the brothers. And Jesse is telling his brother that these people are going to do whatever it takes to solve this thing. They and they need a f- confession. They're going to pin it on you. And L is like, "No, we need to prevent another killing." They know that Oli was released from an institution in Richmond three weeks ago. Oli is like to his brother, he's saying, you shouldn't, you should have told everyone I was home. And Jesse's like, shut up, Oli. People have poked fun of my brother for his whole life. Our dad, kids, even the teachers at school, they're not going to do it anymore. Uh, Oli says he didn't want to come home anyway. L asks him why he came back then. He says to say goodbye. And Jesse's like, what do you mean? You're living with me. Oli doesn't want any of it. It's this, always the same thing. Good old Oli. He's a hell of a ball player, but he's crazy as a loon. Oli says there's there's special homes I could go to that are better than this. I don't I don't need to stay here. Jesse says I don't want you to go. I want to help you. Oli is, says I'm I'm tired of hiding. L asks him if he's been taking his meds. He says every day and pulls some hair off of his head and says test me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very sad scene. Oli seems very sad and seems very just, but seems very honest. Like this is not an eviscerating killer. I mean, that that that's very clear. As creepy as he was, it, it it's not old man Jenkins. <laughs> we can move on to the next suspect. Cross him off our list. So we cut to a woman's house, and Wally is there. And what is he doing, AJ? This is my father's world. Yes, once again, angelic singing from Wally. Uh, and he's singing for this uh, older-looking woman. She seems to be enraptured by the singing. It actually looks like she's been crying. Wally finishes, looks at her, and says, what's wrong? She says, nothing. Could you do it again, please? I'm like, what? <laughs> but Wally's like, Granny, I just want to watch TV. Ah, Granny. So lady is his grandma. Yeah, nice, nice to see. And then we start to get our little blurry POV camera stuff again. And you're just like, oh, no. I mean, I know I didn't like the singing, but every time this kid sings. (laughs) Bad news. He's like a siren for the unsub. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the grandma goes off to the kitchen to uh, get some cookies and and tend to the laundry. Uh, Wally starts to watch TV. Granny is in the laundry room. The camera's doing that whole thing, like you said, this whole time. And then we see a hand with a knife. And then Granny starts to scream for a bit. But very quickly, we hear, I guess, what sounds like the thump of her body hitting the floor. Wally turns around, 
looks up scared directly at our point of view camera with a fisheye lens and it's just all warpy warpy yeah. warpy and then oh Renko pulls his little trick here and just go we go to static on the tv to intimate that something bad has happened potentially to wally i was waiting for another informer joke no 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 shan don't turn informer <laughs> Uh, we cut to the sheriff and L talking at the house. They're talking to the deputy, and the deputy is saying the neighbor across the street heard a car screech out of the driveway about 25 minutes ago. It was the grandmother's car. It was a 72 Buick. The deputy, she has already put out an APB on the on the vehicle. Deputy on point. I mean, she may wear flannel all the time, and that's a little out of uniform and out of character as far as I'm concerned, but she on point this whole episode, uh, uh, at least 90% of it anyway. <laughs> Uh, the parents just got home from work, by the way, and Wally's mom is obviously in, in a, quite a state. She approaches them and she's yelling, I wish to God I've never spoken to you. I told you I didn't want him involved. Elle says, I assure you we're doing everything we can to find your little boy. Again, she seems like very much in the leadership role here. She's in the leadership role. And, and, but yet on the very next next second, it's like Hotch is like, well, why don't you talk to her when, when she comes down? And she's like, yeah, I, I don't think I want to do that because she's not going to talk to me. Well, persuade her somehow. So, you know, the, the dynamic just keeps going back and forth because I think Elle's in the scene. <laughs> it's just she's also doing double duty as Gideon. And it just makes this – which – if you thought it was on purpose and it was thematic related to the fact that there's like this, this one unsub that they're looking at and this other unsub that they're looking at and like, ooh, there's two unsubs, that would make sense. But that's not what they're doing here. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, your theory is making more and more sense to me. What was the name of that movie? That indie flick that uh, Aaron Paul? And- it was a Choking Man. It was a film about a, a, a life in a restaurant for immigrants where they spend their entire life looking at the Heimlich sign and nobody notices the Heimlich sign, but it's kind of this gross thing in a restaurant. It's uh, eh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for that, for that reason, we get this episode. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Have I mentioned that this is uh, one of the least favorite episodes? <laughs> uh, anyway, so L walks uh, into the kitchen after they've taken the mom away to calm her down. Uh, and, Hotch is saying, you know, the little boy was at both crime scenes. Morgan says maybe the unsub was after the boy all along. And Elle says uh, she's sure that that's what Mrs. Brisbane thinks. As you said, Hotch tells her to go talk to Mrs. What is, what is their last name? Elle. Oh, I wrote it down somewhere, but it's not important. Anyway, yeah, it is. <laughs> So then we cut to uh, Hotch and Reed uh, looking at the body, investigating it. And we see the deputy ask Morgan if he thinks that this lunatic was after Wally. Morgan stays on message and says psychotic mind might have been hard. It's hard to predict with a psychotic mind might have been a coincidence. The deputy seems really sad, says he's only seven years old. Then we cut to Reed saying it's another evisceration. This woman's throat was slashed. He split her rib cage open, and Hot says with these, and holds up the most grisly looking, bloody giant pipe pipe spreader wrench thing. Oh yeah, that did, I, I was like, damn, uh, that did not look pleasant, and they were just drenched no. in blood. 
big bloody gore machine. Yeah. Like, what the heck? And, he, and then he just puts it on the wash. Yes. That was pretty damn funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, hey, everybody. It was like a 3D film. It was like, look at this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, we're done with that. Next. <laughs> yeah. It looks like this time the target was the heart. Hodges, like, did he take it? Yes, he did. And we cut at this point to Gideon, who's crutching his way once again into Garcia's office. I don't know why he has to go there for this, but he because that's the only that's the only set they were filming <laughs> on that day. Obviously, yeah. But he he burst man. He is like a, a running back. Yeah, he's he's very <laughs> frantic. He took the heart, Hotch. Uh, Hotch, who was uh, on the speakerphone with Garcia, says, "Yeah, he took the heart." Reed says, starts going into one of his Reed, you know, statements about the heart. Having symbolic significance and uh, that Egyptians left the, left the heart and mummies because the organ ensured eternal life. And Gideon is thinking, uh, there's something I read. There's something, oh, ouch, because he's tripping over the back of Garcia's chair. And uh, she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm kind of wondering if she did it on purpose. I'm kind of thinking she probably did. It's quite possible, yeah. Um, sort of passive aggressive. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a seat of the soul. <laughs> Uh, he's he he orders her to give him the book, the big one that's right over there. She's like, okay. And as she's reaching over to grab the book, she's saying, I wrote under her breath, but I mean, it was really like, I, you know, he could plainly hear from the volume she was speaking at. She says, can you get the book, please, Penelope? Yes, I can. Here you are. Thank you. <laughs> um <laughs> Gideon is like, where's the crime scene photos? She says, uh, she looks around, she finds them right here. I don't know. She just, again, very flustered. Gideon is talking about, there was uh, an article by some Cambridge professor. And it seems like all the organs were taken, the stomach, the liver, now the heart. All those organs were thought to be the seed of the soul at one time or another. Reed says he drinks their blood. Hotch says, so when this man drinks his victim's blood... Reed says he believes he's encountering the divine. Mm-hmm. And Morgan says, wait a minute. Don't none of this explain why he took the kid. And Gideon says, well, the unsub made the victim look like an angel. Maybe the kid's a messianic, fig- messianic figure. And it, it's kind of funny. I forgot to mention he had asked Garcia if she thought the, the body looked like an angel. And Garcia was like, no, not at all. <laughs> well, he does have a slight resemblance to Rod Carew, but that's not here or there. Uh, yeah, I, there's one thing you know I, I like to whenever they go into the Garcia scenes to see what's on the on the video monitors and everything going on there. When when uh, Gideon first bursts into the room, the picture of the angel is already on the screen there having clearly already been scanned in. And then when he goes looking at the book, it's not there anymore because, of course, she hasn't scanned it in yet because his directive to her is, here, scan this in and send it to them. But it was scanned in at the beginning of the scene because they did more than one take, obviously. Just a little little uh, out-of-order sequencing there. I'm not, I'm not digging him for it, but it's just fun to notice these things uh, in retrospect. We cut next to... At first, I forgot who these people were. Uh, it, oh, absolutely, because it's been like an hour and a half since we saw them. It, it's uh, Annie Stewart's husband, David, in a car talking to their son, Charlie. They are outside their house, and he's I, I guess he's come to pick something up or something. He says, you stay in the car, Charlie. I won't be long. He gets out, walks toward the house. We hear the phone ring inside the house. 
as he's opening the door, we hear their answering machine, and it's someone naming, named Maggie leaving a condolence message, but we don't really pay much attention to it because there's something blocking the door. He looks down, and it's one of the bloody containers from our unsubs refrigerator. And he immediately says, someone's been having a Tupperware party when I'm out here. Didn't invite me. No, no, it's the deadly Tupperware. Um, although it, 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 it could have just had uh, some of the uh, sweet and sour sauce from, <laughs> from Gideon's yeah. Chinese food. Man, it just, it's an ugly looking, ugly looking thing. And I did a nice little dissolve here where they dissolve from that to it it's being held right in the front of the camera. Right. It, it, we, we, we will eventually pull out to see that it's hot, but he's like trying to open the lid while the sheriff is talking. It's kind of gross. I don't want him to open it. Yeah, point, no, please. It, it is a nice little sight gag. Yeah, we we cut, as you say, there and, the, and be just beyond them, we see the deputy telling the sheriff that this guy must have come by between patrols. The sheriff is telling her it's not her fault. She's asking what the heck is in the in that container. And we see Hotch, as you said, opening it. And he lets them know, oh, it's a human stomach. Fun. <laughs> uh, they assume it's Annie's. The deputy is saying none of the neighbors saw anything. The sheriff uh, orders her to get a 24-hour watch here and at the other crime scenes. And then he tells Hotch, let me be clear here. Right now, all we got is some theory about a religious delusion. How the hell do you explain that? You know, and he's pointing at the container with the stomach. Yeah, because there's there's absolutely no reason for the sheriff to get upset at this point. He's been so accommodating and helpful and did right with the plan. Uh, nothing's really changed here other than it's about the point of the episode where the local police have to be a little bit antagonistic. So he gets antagonistic for no yeah. apparent reason. And then it just goes away. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Reed uh, goes into one of his little things about disorganized killers uh, leaving body parts or returning them to the grave sites. And Hotch again says, even in the most extreme psychotic episodes, there's variations in the lucidity of these people. Degree, They have different degrees of insightfulness. And Reed says, if I'm coming out of a delusion, just killed someone and drank their blood, and I'm starting to feel bad about it. Where do I go? Hotch- Disney World. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hotch asks the sheriff how many churches there are in town. And I'm feeling uh... like some fried chicken at this point, too. <laughs> I got what you did there. Thank you. Uh, sheriff is the sheriff is like this is the Bible Belt, so there's like 15 churches here. Hotch says uh, I'd post an officer at every single one, calling your auxiliary cops if you have them. Uh, so that's that. <laughs> That's that. And, you know, okay, fine. And, you know, as it turns out, you know, as always, and, and again, it's a television thing, but of course, you know, there's 15 churches. So there's presumably 15 different stakeouts going on now at 15 different churches. Which one do you think the unsub's going to appear at? How about the one that Elle and Morgan are staking <gasps> out? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we cut to Ellen Morgan in a car staking out a church, and she's saying, four churches in four blocks. You ever feel you like you stepped into Mayberry? And Ma- Morgan is like, yeah, Mayberry with a psychotic killer running around. All of a sudden, AJ, a car is pulling up, and Elle's like, hey, Derek, that looks like a 72 Buick to you. 
He's like, <laughs> it sure does. Again, just have the carpal up say, there it is. That's all you need to do, people. It's oh, so, I know, they're spelling it out. Spelling it out to me, old people who are watching this on CBS who never change the channel and going to watch CSI and NCIS and all the other letter shows one after the other. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Drive me nuts. They, <laughs> they watch a figure get out of the car. He walks up to a statue of an angel. He's looking at it. They shine their lights on him, do the whole freeze. It's the FBI thing. Guy turns around. He's got a dazed look and blood on his face. It's everywhere from his forehead to his chin. It's not like deep. It doesn't look like he's his blood, if you, you get what I'm saying. Oh, I get what you're saying. Uh, it looks like perhaps he's been drinking blood, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he could even have been, you might say, blood hungry. Because if they're not going to say mm. the name of the episodes anymore, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> I forgot to look out for it this week. Um, <laughs> They missed. Uh, so they arrest this guy who also happens to have one of those bloody containers with him, which L uh, holds up and says, uh, Derek, I think we got our guy. They escort him away and, and he's screaming like he's seen Hades or something. He's having maybe some kind of drug induced or mental fit. So at this point, I actually paused and I looked at my see how much time was left in this episode because man, it's just it seemed like okay they wrapped they, they got the ends up like okay there's gotta be just you know final scene hey let's arrest them let's take it away Todd, there were 17 minutes left in the episode at this point i i, I felt like the the whole hour had already passed and uh no you're right oh my goodness can i recommend that we do what the editors of this episode refuse to do and double time through all of this because this is a whole second episode here and none of it matters. It's all so stupid. I'll I'll try. I I, I do uh, spend a lot of time making my notes, AJ. <laughs> Look, I, th I think you don't spend as much time, nearly as much time as you think you do, but it... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was for Leroy. <laughs> So, yeah, we cut back to a little later. We have a special effect shot of uh, several murky-looking satanic bloody satanic bloody things flashing by real quickly, and it's it's actually in the eyes of our suspect. He's still screaming. He's in a jail cell. We find out he's Eddie Mays. He's 21 years old. Uh, Hutch says, you know him. The sheriff does, but he doesn't believe this kid could do anything like this. He's the nicest kid you ever saw. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Reed says he's a mentally ill sheriff and a boy like Eddie Mays could truly use an insanity plea. We cut to Eddie and and the camera is doing that thing where it's a bunch of quick cuts. So it looks like he's not real or going nuts. Yeah, or sort I called of, it the herky jerky. But yeah, it's, it's definitely just it, it, it's the devil has possessed him kind of. <laughs> anyway, the sheriff says he better call his kid's mother, his because the dad died a couple years ago. This is going to fall awfully hard on her. Hotch, Hotch asks what the family was like. The dad was a doctor. And Mary Guathamie Mays comes from one of the oldest families in t -t -t Tennessee. Hotch says, I'd like to meet her. Elle says, uh, we already did back a few scenes and that's, ago. <laughs> and that's such a Gideon line, though. We already have. Yeah. Because I pay attention to everything. And I know exactly who this woman is. Yes, cut to Veil Lady. Our good friend, Lindsay Krauss, who is like, 
I cannot believe any of the things you are saying. Pearl, literally pearl clutching. Yeah. She has pearls on. She's literally <laughs> clutching her pearls, Kintad. <laughs> she is. Uh... She is saying she didn't even know her son was in town. This this is impossible. JJ is there for some reason. That I guess they felt like oh, we haven't used JJ <laughs> right. in a while. Uh, and she's asking if he's, if this lady is aware of how sick her son is. She says he's had some trouble in school. We got him some help. Hotch says, hey, you can help us. We think that your son has kidnapped a seven-year-old boy, Wally Brisbane. He doesn't seem to remember what he did with him. But uh, if they could get her permission, they'd like to get her permission to basically shoot him up with some antipsychotic meds so that maybe he'll remember what's happening. Uh, she agrees and signs the form. I noticed that they did a close-up on her hands signing the form, and, and Hotch was kind of looking at it with some interest. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there was a reason. I think that. there might have been another draft or, you know, yeah. I, well, I noticed it too, and it's just like it, it, it really didn't work. It, it doesn't. She signs the form. I mean, it wasn't like he was like, "Oh, I noticed your wedding ring." Because we know, we know Hotch. We've we've seen in many episodes. Hotch always notices when someone's wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, Hotch is on ring. It's his duty. It's his superpower. Uh, <laughs> Hotch is now talking to Garcia on the on the computer, and they have a very nice Skype or Zoom setup, like for two thousand five. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I mean, it's just an internet relay chat with video. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty good video conferencing software. Uh, I, I gotta say, what was going on in this scene? This scene, did did they just take a, a rehearsal? Because both both Penelope Garcia and Aaron Hoshner are laughing and hooting yeah. and hollering. This this is such an out of character conversation. That's uh. I'll just skip ahead to the end of my paragraph here where I say, Hotch is laughing? Question mark. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, you know, she's given, this is basically the scene where she's given all the, 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 oh, I've done all the research. I don't know how she's done the research because she's been with Gideon the whole time in her office. But she's like, yeah, you know, he had a college roommate who said that mother was a helicopter times a thousand and like called him three times a day. And she once even went up there to break him up with a girlfriend that, that, uh, she didn't like. I'm like, what? What is she? What is this? The Gilmore Girls? <laughs> Lorelai will be not dating this boy any longer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then you know she's like, oh yeah, he's he, he she's just crazy, and he was just like, oh, and he was not just smirking and everything. <laughs> and meanwhile, in Garcia's office, for whatever reason, you know, there's a map of Tennessee on one of the screens. Makes sense. She's doing research, and on one screen, there's a flag of Japan next to the flag of Bangladesh. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't notice the flags. But yeah, so Garcia, you know, to yada yada the Garcia stuff, his major was comparative religion. That's, that's the, the big takeaway. Yeah, that's the point. Discordant sting that. And then I says, well, uh, how's it going with Gideon? <laughs> You can have him back whenever you like, sir. Yeah. And that's when Hodge gives out the belly laugh. Breaks and this out is like, after, like, what is this? Who is this? What is who that? is this person? <laughs> <laughs> because this was attacked on scene at the end, it didn't actually have to be there. But Mandy Patinkin was not able to film this episode and they had to rewrite and throw this in. That's what happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, Morgan is is with Elle and they're at the Maze house. And uh, I guess he sneaks up on her and he's or comes from behind and is like, hey, and she's like, dude, 
<laughs> and in a very like bro manner, she says, dude. And he's like, dude, all right, you're way too tense. She says she isn't. He says she is. He asks her if she has anything. She says Mrs. Mays has OCD. The house looks like a home decorating catalog. Morgan didn't find anything upstairs. So he searched uh, the house. Everything is perfectly clean. If Eddie Mays did come there, he was pretty careful and didn't leave anything behind. Uh, Elle sniffs something in the air and says, do you smell that? Morgan sniffs and says it smells like bleach. Elle says a lot of bleach. and She follows her nose to the refrigerator, which she opens and calls Derek over. It's empty, but it's spotless, clean. It's it's the same refrigerator from before. But we too don't clean. <laughs> yes. It's too clean. So they start searching it a little bit. They move it around and uh, they find one of our blood rings uh, underneath the refrigerator. And Al goes, looks like someone missed a spot. Yeah, this is after Morgan defies the laws of physics and shows that refrigerator about 15 feet back. There's no, it's a refrigerator. There's a wall there. How does he do that? That is such a ridiculously stage shot. But whatever. There's a ring on the floor. This must be the place. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> How many minutes left? <laughs> I know. Bear with the, bear with the, bear with me, folks. <laughs> Back at the jail cell where Hotch is talking to a doctor who's saying she just gave the injection to Eddie Mays. This scene. <laughs> no reason for it. Uh, yeah. she And the doctor has all this attitude, like, from out of the blue. Listen, I didn't come here to give him this shot so you could agitate him and then put him on the stand and have him say things that might incriminate himself. Like, <laughs> he is not cured, okay? I just want this to be very clear. He is not cured and something's going to be... Wait. Huh. There's a boy missing. We're just going to ask if she knows where he is. Is that okay with I, you? I do like Hutch gives her a really sort of a, a, a harsh little look. I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> you know, maybe the jury will, but we got yeah. stuff to do. Yeah, that was just a weird little scene that wasn't necessary, as you say. Hutch and Reed go in there to question him. And again, <laughs> they go in there to question him. He's been shot up with the drugs. They ask him, you know, do you know where you are? He says, jail. That's right. Do you know why? I was very bad, but I was very bad, but I'm much better now. Eddie, do you remember hurting anyone? He doesn't answer. Where did you go to college, Eddie? Oh, Boston. Reed asks him what was his favorite thing about Boston. Apparently, it was cappuccino at Harvard Square. They ask him about Wally. He knows Wally, but he says he didn't take Wally. Hotch says, I know you're uncomfortable, you're, but your hands are cut up. Your arms are bruised. Do you know why? You killed three people, Eddie. And Eddie starts repeating, you killed three people, Eddie. You killed three people, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> Reed shows him the pictures of Paul Thompson, Annie Stewart, and the uh, grandmother whose name was Lynette Giles. And then Eddie starts speaking. It appears like he's in a different conversation with someone else. And he's doing both voices. He's saying, you will be punished. Ah, God is punishing you. And then he said, no, 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 I brought you an angel, see? No, I do not see. I do not see. Please, please, I brought you an angel. Just take it. So basically he's, you know, <laughs> he's gone off at the deep end here. As the doctor said, he's not cured. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So read Notch leave, <laughs> basically. <laughs> And he says, I just want to know. And he looks up at the camera and then the camera's doing this sort of overhead shot. And uh, he screams, when will you leave me alone? 
Didn't really need that whole scene. Again, could have been tighter. And then again, the sheriff turns on a dime. The sheriff saw this whole thing. He needs to tell us where the boy is. Yeah. And Hotch says, yeah, we're not going to get anything out of him until he gets this latest episode under control. The sheriff, again, like you said, local mad. (laughs) It's getting cold and dark. And if that Brisbane boy is anywhere outside, he doesn't stand a chance in hell. Then all of a sudden we hear our deputy friends from before screaming and sh- and they rent the cells and Eddie is there trying to hang himself. <laughs> Why did like- he have to have someone watching him? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, hey, let's leave the delusional guy in here by himself without any observation. He's certainly not agitated or anything. <sighs> it looks like they get to him in time. Uh, Mrs. May's there. She's kind of freaking out. My boy, you know. We cut to a little bit later, and Hotch is giving uh, Mrs. Mays the third degree. Why didn't she ever tell him her son was in a mental hospital? They found out that Eddie was released a week ago. He called her to pick him up, and she never came. Mm. Mrs. Mays says, you asked me if I knew he came home, and I didn't. I thought he was in Boston. Hotch asks if she can explain the blood on the floor in her utility room. She says sometimes she cuts her legs when she prunes the roses. <laughs> this whole thing, this whole ridiculous thing. Uh, I mean, what do you, is that when you is that when you prune your roses? Well, it's wintertime. When do you prune your roses? Like, what? yeah, it's just she's just being totally uncooperative and defiant to the point where Hutch, Hutch then comes to the room where everybody else is waiting. And goes, she's lying, but I'm not sure about what. How about everything, Hutch? Yeah, everything. It's clear she's lying. JJ says, you don't think she'd let that boy die to save her son. And Hot says he doesn't know. And Morgan comes up with the idea, since she drives a Cadillac, uh, at the, I guess at that time, only Cadillacs had GPSs. <laughs> um, it, but, yeah, uh, it was a bit of one of those over-explains for the time, but I, I'll, I'll allow it because it was so long ago. Like, yeah, well, we'll know where we can track her through the GPS in her car because cars have GPSs, some of them, at least the higher scale models, and she's very rich. Did we mention she was very rich? So she has one of these cars that has the GPS. We can find out where she's been. Okay. And then three people have to go into the car to check on the GPS with some video graphic that doesn't match the way GPSs work today, let alone back then, where it's just like he can press a button, boom, 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 spot yeah. one, spot two, spot three, spot... That's not how the GPS in your car works. Yeah. And Elle says, oh, it's got everywhere that she's been and how long she stayed there. Uh, Morgan cracks a joke about these things causing more divorces than internet porn. Uh, then they find out that she stopped at some place on Route 3 like six separate times within a short time frame so they come up with a plan to get mrs mace to take her and they're going to take her to that spot and they'll tell her that they're going to take her to see her son at the hospital clever ruse and it works brilliantly she has no idea that they are going the wrong oh wait no she knows instantly that they're going the wrong way and not taking her to the hospital (laughs) that's the uh, that's the first thing she says and hotch has to say oh he's making a quick stop first starts talking to her about her life. Where did she go to high school? Uh, she went to high school at St. Catharines. She went to college at Sweet Briar. Hotch says, you were a Sweet Briar vixen. She says, oh, you know Sweet Briar. He says his mother went to Mary Baldwin. So she's from Virginia, Manassas. Miss uh, May says, I know where your mother's from. I know that area. 
blah, 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 blah. By the way, are we still driving out of town? What's happening? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's another stop I have to make. Oh, happens to be right here. Boom, boom, boom. Where you visited six times and you, this place, and there's a bunch of cops coming. We, I've called them. They're going to be here any minute. Why don't you help us out and tell us where Wally is and what's going on and everything? Because if you don't, uh, you know, not going to be too good for you. <laughs> right. Uh, so the cops come. They got the dogs searching the area. We see what looks like a fenced-in shed. They open the fence, and then they are able to open the shed. And indeed, Wally is in there. He uh, runs up to hug L, who's like the first one to open the door. Then his parents are also there all of a sudden. And ditches L in a, like two seconds flat when he sees his mom, which is good because that's what Wally should do. But it was like, oh, I'm going to hug you. No, mommy's here. I'm going to hug her. <laughs> I would argue he should ditch L and hug almost anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, the strange thing is is that in the script he was hugging Gideon. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so Hotch gives Mrs. Mays a disgusted look and starts to walk away. And she calls him back because she has to explain her side of the story. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Hotchner, do you have children? Well, yes, I do, but we haven't named him yet, at least not on the show. <laughs> yes, that is in my notes, AJ. He's, this would have been a great point for him to say... Yes, my I just had a son, Richard. Ooh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Still don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he. She says, uh, "Then you understand. You would do anything for your kids." And he's saying he wouldn't clean the blood off of the victims off the floor. She didn't know her boy was killing anyone till he brought home Wally. Hotch says, "Mary, sometimes what we don't do is every bit as powerful as what we do." She says, you don't understand. He says, I understand your boy was drowning. You made no effort to save him. She says, you don't know what I did. He says, I know what you didn't do. You didn't call the police. And every day of your life, you will wonder what would have happened if you'd gone to Boston to help Eddie out. She basically says, I was just trying to protect my son. What the hell was I supposed to do? Uh, Anything else? (laughs) It's a good scene, but it, again, could have been tighter and, you know, And we see the deputy take Mrs. Mays away. And then we get yes. a jet shot. Which we didn't get at the beginning of the episode. We didn't get a quote at the beginning of the episode. And this is this is just, again, because the whole rewrite for Gideon, it, Gideon probably had the quote. They probably recorded the quote, but he didn't go, so they didn't think they could use it, yeah. I think, is what actually happened there. They could have had Elta say it, because it doesn't have to be Gideon, but whatever. So, yes, we get Gideon's quote uh, as for the end of the episode as the jet uh, shot ends and we see you know uh, them coming back to the home base yeah uh the quote is harriet beecher stowe once said the bitterest tears shed over graves are for words left unsaid and deeds left undone very echoing what what aaron just said so all good the uh team is coming back into the office and hotch is congratulating everyone on a job well done we see Garcia. She's carrying a big plastic storage box of things. Morgan is like, hey, sweetheart. She's like, do not sweetheart me. I may be. Uh, she's talking to Hotch at this point because uh, I guess she scared Morgan off like immediately. Oh, absolutely. He didn't want. He, he knows better. <laughs> she says, uh, I may not be a supervisory special agent, but I am also not a maid. 
Hotz is like, what do you mean? She says, this is the third box of Gideon's crap that he left in my office, and there's two more, and everything smells like soy sauce. <laughs> Hotz is like, calm down. I'll take care of it. He grabs the box, goes into Gideon's office. He says, these are yours. Uh, puts the box down. Uh, notices that Gideon's sort of seated away from his crutches. So he says, I see you've managed to get rid of the crutches. Gideon says he'd rather limp. Hotch says, well, you managed to to get on Garcia's nerves. And AJ, <laughs> Gideon says, who's Garcia? <laughs> and and I, I don't think he's joking. I don't either. Uh, he's, he's that tunnel visioned when he's in analysis mode that he doesn't remember her name. But, I mean, bright side, at least. When Hotch explains the tech, you're in her office. Oh, she's very good. She's great. Yeah, she's great. He loves her. Just doesn't know uh, her name. Should I send her a basket or something? And I, come on. Uh, how many times have we seen him order someone else to call Garcia yes! to get some information? Yes. I don't accept this. <laughs> it, it's, again, did I mention this is a very weak episode? I hate it. And probably the worst of season one. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so he's Gideon's also looking at his paper and Hotch says, oh, is that your list? Yeah, the 25 things I want to do before I die. Hotch is like, where are you? And Gideon is like, well, seeing the White Sox win the series and skydiving, that's 23 and 24. I like this because the White Sox won the World Series that year in October. This is December. So they could write that in that it already happened. I like it. It's the first time the White Sox won in like 90 years. So it was it yeah. was, it was yeah. a big deal. I like the fact that that was number 23 on his list. He crossed it off, skydiving. They work in the skydiving from before. Okay, fine, whatever. At least they attempted to wrap it in a neat bow. I'll, I'll allow it. Just remember, Gideon's a White Sox fan. I just want to stick a fork in that for now, a little pin in that. We'll get We'll get to that at some point. Okay. Gideon is a White Sox fan. So he guesses he needs a new list, but Hotch reminds him not till you do them all. Uh, and then we get this little conversation where Gideon is like, he doesn't want to hear from me. <laughs> Hotch says, you don't know until you try. <laughs> so Hotch leaves and Gideon picks up the phone and makes a call. Hey, Stephen. Stephen it's your dad. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just thinking we could get together sometime. And a little chuckle and the episode is over. Yeah, uh, again, making lemonade out of the lemons because that's a nice character moment to end the scene, to see, you know, the show on. I, I appreciated that. If you're going to have this awful, awful episode, at least give us a little character backstory. So at least there was that. Gideon has a son. His name is Stephen. And apparently they've been estranged. Um, yeah, AJ, I guess we don't really need to go over how we liked this episode because... Because we did not. <laughs> <laughs> we did not. I mean, I like every episode, it has some moments that were okay. You know, I'm, I'm happy. You know, it had some moments that I liked. I just have one question for you. Are you are you planning on continuing this podcast? Of course. Oh, excellent. Then you have survived the biggest lull of season one. I and mean, if you were going to quit, this was the episode you were going to just quit on. So 
And it, it wasn't that bad, but it was bad. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure, as uh, well for the audience, not really for AJ. He already knows this episode took me a while to get through. <laughs> uh, just uh, so you folks at home, maybe you can see behind the behind the scenes a little bit. It took. It was. It was quite. <laughs> We had to. You're going to give them a peek behind the curtain that you can't see in the uh, <laughs> right. in the room until it's pointed out. They're like, look, there's a curtain over there. <laughs> I will just say we are not recording on our original date <laughs> that we're supposed to uh, record this episode, and leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's 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 take care of our business yes. here, our wrap up business, because I don't want to dwell too much more on this episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Some things are better left unsaid, but we do want to look back yes. and answer that one question. Yes, let's look at our barometer, AJ. I think I might have a guess on this, but uh, go ahead. So did we win? Did we win? Well, we entered this episode at 7, 1, and 2. And I gotta say, begrudgingly, yeah, yeah, we won. I mean, the kid was missing. We found the kid and he was Okay. We thought it was, we thought there were two on subs. There were two on subs. We found the first one. He led us to the second one. We found the second one. Uh, we weren't fooled. We knew that there was some chicanery with the mother. Okay, grandma died, but that was more the mother interfering. Uh, we won. It was not one I'm going to go home and, and pop the corks on the champagne, but I'm going to call this a win. Okay, I'm surprised. I I, uh, I thought, not because of the episode, but I thought because of Granny dying, we were going to call it maybe a draw. Look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ding them uh, because they don't have a 100% save ratio on, on these unsubs. Sometimes the unsub is just crafty and clever. They said they were going to have a tr- tough time. The expectation there was like, we might not be able to find them right away. It could be difficult. So because that was their expectation... Uh, and L, you know, totally exceeded all expectations for doing the job of Gideon, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it's a close call, but I'm going to give them the W on this one uh, for an episode that was a clear L. <laughs> L? Uh, L. <laughs> so, AJ, let's do our quiz. Uh, yes, like indeed. Our trivia quiz, always like to give you three trivia questions. Uh, you know, spun off from the episode. Uh, let's see how you do this week. Question number one. All right, we had a character named Domino. How can you forget Domino? I know it was about three hours ago in the episode <laughs> that it happened. But here's your question. What was the original name of Domino's Pizza? What was the original name of Domino's Pizza? Was it A... Dummy Nick's Pizza, B, Michigan Pizza, C, Nero's Pizza, or D, Pizza to Go? I don't know. I'm going to go with a guess, and this could be totally wrong, but I feel like maybe Domino's did come from the Michigan area. Possibly. Knows, I, I feel like maybe I heard that, or maybe I'm making this up. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Michigan Pizza. Michigan Pizza, you are absolutely correct that Domino's comes from the Michigan area from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, they bought out a single pizza joint for $900. Uh, the name of the pizza joint, they didn't want to change it all that much because it costs a lot of money to 
take those letters down so uh, and put new ones up. So they just bought an O and changed Dominix <laughs> to Dominoes. <laughs> those cheap bastards. All right. <laughs> Question two. Lindsay Krause. We talked all about Lindsay Krause in this episode. Uh, she played Mama Mays. She appeared in two movies alongside Paul Newman in her career. One in 1977, the other in 1982. Can you name either film? Huh. I'm trying to remember. I was going to say The Color of Money, but I think that was a little bit too late. So I'm going to go back. I have a feeling that this isn't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be any of his. Oh, oh, I think I know one. I'm going to say The Verdict. The Verdict is correct. Well done. The Verdict was written by Lindsay Krause's husband at the time, now ex-husband, but at the time she was married to David Mamet. Oh. And he wrote The Verdict. Uh, He had met and married Lindsay Krause in production of the first movie. Uh, he actually, uh, she came to his attention because she was doing a play that he had written in Connecticut and he kind of followed her to the set and kind of stalked her a little bit. And then within three months, they were married. That's a whole other story. But that movie was all about hockey and it was Slapshot. Oh, okay. She plays the wife of Michael Antkeen in Slapshot and then is the wife of David Mamet shortly thereafter. Well done, well done. All right. Let's see if we can get two in a row. You know my favorite question of each week is the third question where I ask you, what is the plot going to be of our next episode? Which, by way of preview, is season one, episode 12, and much better than this one. The name of this episode, not a very good name, however. What fresh hell? What (laughs) fresh hell? Uh, you want to put that odds? Should have been the name of this. Episode. Yeah. You want to put the odds on someone saying "What fresh out"? <laughs> uh, at least you'll know if they say it. Uh, what is the plot of "What fresh out"? Is it a a series of grave robberies also unburies memories from Gideon's past? Is it B? Garcia starts receiving gifts from an anonymous source: flowers, fruit. And then a severed hand. C. The BAU is called in to help find a bunch of teen runaways who may not have run away after all. Or D. When a young girl is kidnapped, all eyes turn to her father as the potential unsub. Wow, you do such a good job with these because every week I'm like, oh... All of these sound like it could be it. I think the first answer is kind of a trap because I'm thinking, oh, it talks about Gideon's past and we were just bringing up Gideon's son. So maybe that is involved with that. But then you would think that I would think that. So then you would not make that. You would make that the trap that I would say but then you might think that I would think. <laughs> no, let me stop. So I'm not going to say that one. And just because it sounds loony, I will give my answer. And I don't really even think this is correct. But I'm going to say this is the person sending Garcia stuff. And all, all, all of a sudden, she also gets a severed hand. 
Well, I mean, certainly at the end of this episode, Hutch says that Gideon best sent her some sort of apology basket. Oh. Dang it. Okay. Right? Yeah, so, that I mean, that's probably where that that might have left. A, oh, I incepted you with that know. one. No, I'm sorry. That is not what happens at all <laughs> next week. No severed hands in a gift basket. We... <laughs> I know. I mean, that that's so old hat in this show. Uh, <laughs> the fact that that's even a possibility, though, makes me makes me giddy with glee. Uh, no, we're going to see what happens when a young girl is kidnapped and all eyes turn to her father as the potential unsub. What fresh hell. All right. I was uh, I was hoping it wasn't going to be that one just because it sounded the least interesting of the three. Of the four. However, it's going to be light years more interesting than this week's was. I promise that. Okay. Uh, we, we're, we're, gonna, we're in a stretch here of about mm, five episodes, I think, that are all pretty good. Excellent. So Excellent. I, I think it, it's much a rebound. The sixth one, maybe not so much. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had a great time. Please uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Uh, rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, spread the word. Let your friends know about us. You can also write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Uh, I don't want to sound like a beggar. It'd be really nice, though, to get an email. <laughs> I mean, we did set, a, set it up, that uh, expensive Gmail account, so... Uh, if you're out there, just go ahead and shoot us an email. Is there anybody out there? there? <laughs> uh, or we also have a, a Twitter. Follow the tweet, the, the, the Twitter handle. Uh, Keep your eye on the bird on the wire. You got to see where the where the bird is at all times. All right. Uh, I'm I'm going to go have some Chinese food, ladies and gentlemen. For AJ, liver Mass. stomach. This is Kentad Svensgaard for AJ Maz saying goodbye. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Keep profiling. Wheels up. The thorn from the bush one has planted, nourished, and pruned pricks more deeply and draws more blood. Maya Angelou.